when I arrived in China, my friend said that there's two app you have to install in your phone. You can't go to anywhere. So yeah. I installed it and so yeah, I think that's kind of very uh, high technology. Because I have noticed on Instagram it's all about like China is upset because of Japan like putting the water in and making it like a China issue, but it isn't. They're not showing like Korea or the neighbouring countries like Fuji or even the locals in Japan are upset protesting. In India, they pretty much call themselves people of Bharat because it's like an Indian word. It's actually um, dated back to ancient Hindu scriptures. The Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Hello everyone, welcome to Youth Chat. I'm Ya Wen. So today we're going to discuss ASEAN Summit, as we know it's also known as Association of Southeast Asian Nations Summit. It took place in Jakarta, Indonesia from September 5th to 7th. And uh, today we're going to delve into more of the highlights of the summit as well as topics that young people are interested in talking about uh, such as digital economy, tourism, as well as uh, sustainable development. So first of all, ladies, how about you give a brief introduction of yourselves? Hello there, I am Angie and I'm from Scotland and I'm a graphic design student in my fourth year. Hello everyone, <laughs> I'm Deska, I'm from Jakarta, Indonesia. I'm Chief of Bureau of Antara Indonesia National Agency here in Beijing. Mm -hmm. I just arrived in Beijing 15th August 2023. So this is like my three third weeks in wow, Beijing. Three weeks. Welcome to China. Yeah, hope you enjoy your trips Thank here. You. Hey guys, I'm Zhao and I'm a reporter with CDTN as well. This is my first time actually doing a video podcast. When we talk about ASEAN countries, um, we think of they have a lot of great destinations to travel. Is there any specific country or places that you have been to before you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I know you have been to a lot of places in uh, Southeast Asian nations. I'm not going to say a lot of, <laughs> but um, I did uh, go to Thailand, uh, Malaysia, Singapore, and also I was hoping to go to Indonesia as well. I heard it's a super beautiful country. I'm going to let you talk about Indonesia. Please and, do. Mm, and um, I have to say I love them so much, especially Thailand. Have you guys ever been to Thailand? I've been to Phuket. Okay, like, Phuket, yes. For like only three days trip. It's it was very really quick. Do you know Phuket? It's a, I've heard of Phuket. Yeah, it's a very famous tourism spot there. Mm -hmm. I've been to Phuket and also the capital. Um, Bangkok. Bangkok. Yes. Yeah. Good. That's a quiz. <laughs> um, yes, um, ben Bangkok and also several other um, uh -huh. cities there. I think it's, um, I love the food there first off. Yeah. I love all the tropical scenes there. They have lots of great beaches and lots of places for you to have fun, like diving, mm. scuba yeah, diving. Yeah, scuba diving. You can also do surfing. They have like all the motorcycles there as oh, well. Yeah. Yes, water motorcycles, super cool. And I just really like the vibes there. Everyone is having fun. And a lot of people do like work because, um, you know, during the pandemic, you have that kind of work at home um, situation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people choose to work there yeah. instead of working at home. So, so it's, it's a, a great place for people can balance their work and life. Absolutely. Yeah. And the price there is not so expensive. Yeah, that's what um, I heard. Phuket is a little bit more expensive than other places. But in general, I think Thailand is a fair place to mm -hmm. stay. Yeah. 
So Desika, uh, since you're from Indonesia, could you share with us some of the like beautiful destination for tourists who want to go there and travel? Yeah, actually, a lot of people in this world know more about Bali than Indonesia. Well, it's like been to Bali before? I have not yet, but I've heard of Bali. That's <laughs> the first thing I think of Indonesia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. yeah. Because Bali is like tourism things of Indonesia. It's like the face of Indonesia tourism. Yeah. yeah. But actually, there's a lot of places just like Bali, but maybe it's more like not so touristy place. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I was born in Jakarta, but actually I'm from North Sumatra. Mm -hmm. uh, it's different island from Jakarta and also Bali mm -hmm. because uh, Indonesia is uh, the island country so mm -hmm. North Sumatra have a lake named Toba Lake and that's the biggest lake in the Southeast Asia yeah. and also there's a, a island at the core of the lake called Samosir Island so it's like a very beautiful island and beautiful lake and also has a history but if you like the scuba diving yeah. I will suggest you to go to the East Nusa Tenggara or West Nusa Tenggara if you heard about the Labuan Bajo or like Mandalika place it's a lot of beaches there you can go to scuba diving or just Paddling go swimming or, or yeah. just all kinds of activities right. you can do in the ocean yeah. relax and pause the time so <laughs> it's your pace and it's your vacation Sounds tell us awesome. one of your favorite food in my Indonesia favorite food in Indonesia uh, there's like kind of I will tell it in Bahasa Indonesia. Yeah, it's named soto. Soto. soto it's like a soup. By its name, I feel like it's a dessert. So <laughs> <laughs> the soup. This soup, but in every places in different provinces and different islands, have uh, that kind of soto. In Jakarta, there is soto babat meat, but it's for the inside part of the beef. There's other Soto again in Central Java, in uh, West Java, in East Java, and also there's another part in uh, Sulawesi Island mm. and also uh, Sumatra Island. Mm -hmm. But in the principle of soto is same with the uh, soup, but yeah. with different ingredients. Ingredients. Well, talk about cuisines. How about your experience of trying Chinese food here? Oh, it's, it's such a huge topic, food here. Uh -huh. it, it's so endless. Because it's quite different from the cuisine in UK. Yeah. Because uh, I think UK is more very starch, very pastry-based. Mm. But here's a lot more like stir-fried, the vegetables, especially the balsas here. They're phenomenal. <gasps> but yeah. the, I actually just tried balsas for the first time, like, last week. Yeah? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. What's the stuffing inside? We had a pork one, okay. um, which is quite different for me because I'm not used to eating pork yeah. until I've like came over here. Mm -hmm. Do you put it? Do you eat it with something like vinegar or like soy sauce? I actually ate it by itself. It was good enough. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. flavor. I know. Like some people don't like the ingredients. They just like eat, to eat it by itself. Mm -hmm. You should try. Have you ever tried it? Baozi. It's like a, I say like a bigger version of dumplings. They're meat ones or veggie ones. Mm. Yeah. When we're talking about uh, the travel destinations in Bali, Indonesia, we know a few months ago, I know it's not a positive side, it's kind of a sad story. Like there are two, there's a couple. The girl, she's only 22 years old and uh, her boyfriend's 25. They got murdered at a hotel where, uh, when they were uh, traveling to Bali. Local police officers and government have been uh, doing investigation on this and trying to bring the justice to the victims. 
but uh, how has that affect or impacted the local tourism industry? First, I feel sorry for the victims, of course. Uh, many tourism spots or resorts after the pandemic era, Bali is uh, like trying to welcome to as many yeah, tourists as possible. A lot of uh, people come, uh, uh, local tourists and mm -hmm. also international tourists. So a lot of hotel uh, see that, hey, this is uh, our change uh, after three years break. So maybe they are less their standard of safety. So it become uh, like kind of that situation that you said before. And I feel sorry for that. Actually, uh, it become uh, also the new beginning for Bali and other tourism era. Before the pandemic, the tourists only stay for three or four days, but now there is a long shot of tourists who stay more time there. So they need uh, maybe to adjust what they have to do mm. there for the long-term tourists. And actually for the safety, I think in Bali, there is a police station just like we have here in Beijing, but also there is traditional security name Pecalang. It's like the person who get the responsibility mm. to keep the security uh, in their surrounding, but not from the government, it's from the people themselves. It's like so neighborhood it's, watch. Yeah, neighborhood. Do they volunteer to do that? Yes. Oh, okay, so it's a because, volunteering job. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. So, so it's like more in Indonesia, we, we, we call it like uh, gotong royong because it's like uh, our job together to take care of the neighborhood. Mm. Uh, if China has a lot of CCTV. We have several ones. Chalong Dama, I think, is oh, what. Yeah. yeah, we have similar <laughs> we have ones. And like a lot of uh, ants, like they're getting old, they're not like doing any jobs. And like they just volunteer uh. to sit, stand on the subway. So like remind you which directions you should go. I and noticed they, that yeah. at 6 o'clock. Yes. When the work, all the <laughs> aunties at the right. traffic lights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we call them Chaoyang. Like Chaoyang is a district. District, uh, district of yeah. China, and then like um, Beijing, and then like Dama is essentially like a auntie. Yeah, like it's a like, cute version of saying aunties, and then know. like they call themselves Chaoyang aunties. <laughs> like they're but, there to help. Yeah, you know? and not only for uh, traffic guiding, but also they will pay attention, like neighborhood watch you just mentioned. You know, there is the star uh, in Beijing. Yeah, and he was like committed some illegal activities, uh -huh. and his neighbor surrounding him uh, reported that to police officers and he got caught. Mm. Yeah. Wow. He got arrested. Wow. So I think that's that's our Chinese version of neighborhood watch. Yes. And like all the aunties are so nice. Like sometimes when you go to her, like ask questions, they'd be like, have you eaten dinner? And <laughs> yeah, I was like, so oh, cute. okay, yeah, so I care about you. Yeah. yeah, I think a very Chinese one to show how welcoming they are. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you have observed, like before you came here, if you, that's your impression on China, but after you got here, it's like, wow, that's different than what I thought of this country. Chinese people is not a new for the Indonesian because uh, Chinese and Indonesia have a long of relation but uh, because this is my first time in Beijing mm -hmm. uh, before I arrive here I think Beijing is a big city and China is a big country but uh, in fact Beijing is very big city <laughs> and China is giant very country. giant country so I went to Gansu province mm -hmm. for a week 
and because there's a lot of deserts there so mm -hmm. we went around the cities around the desert i even don't know the desert name because it's very uh, many of deserts but there's different kind of deserts mm -hmm. like, like rocks and sands yeah. and but but very very beautiful and uh, yes i think i just think that china is like in beijing or shanghai mm -hmm. but uh, actually there are a lot more to explore but a lot yeah. of like desert things and very riches rich of the historical yeah. uh, stories it's just like very uh, surprising for me yeah. so how about you angie as far as to begin with um, my first impressions before I came here, it was quite an unknown place for me. Mm -hmm. Just from what you hear in the news, it can be kind of like worrisome, but it's the complete opposite once I arrived here. I noticed like the safety here, that's like the first thing. I remember speaking about this um, when I was walking out the street at night. I seen an old lady like on the bus stop, knocked out, sleeping, <laughs> with all of her staff around her. I was just so like shocked and then sort of impressed by that. So it's like, it's not going to happen somewhere. That would never happen in Glasgow at all. Oh. <laughs> so it's relative safe. That's yeah. how I felt like when I first moved back to Beijing. That was in 2017. I got out of work. That was like almost midnight because I, I ran the place nearby where I work. So I just walk home and feel so safe. No one on the streets. And, but still, you don't have this kind of like worrisome. Mm -hmm. But I would never, I would not do that mm -hmm. when I was studying overseas. Mm -hmm. So that's something I have heard a lot from my foreign friends. They would tell me they don't feel worried of being harassed or someone whisper to them when they're uh, like dressing miniskirts. Uh, you know, do you have the similar feeling? Well, like, I still work overnight sometimes. <laughs> and, like, the place I work is actually around the central business um, area in yeah. Beijing. So, like, we see a lot of people, actually, con contrary to what you said, you mm -hmm. said there's no one around you, but, like, a lot of people are getting home really late. So, like, I'm not feeling very, you know, I don't know. You I, feel we getting preyed on. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, I think, yeah, it's a really safe place. Um, and like you can f find food always, oh, yeah. even at Any time of the day, so shocked by I that. Know. So many restaurants open 24 seven. I, yeah. I remember um, when I came back from Chongqing, back mm. to um, Guangzhou, we didn't arrive Oh my till... gosh, you just said two cities was the best food in this country. <laughs> yes, we, we arrived at like three in the morning and in our local area, there was like a noodle stand just still there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that, I would never see that. Somewhere Anywhere else. else. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about like the cultural differences, the food, the beautiful destination for travels. And now we know during this year's ASEAN Summit, one of the crucial matters is about economic development and in particular the digital economy. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to hear about uh, so far, like what's your, uh, especially to our foreign friends, what's your observation on China's digital economy's development? And also like, do you see any potential opportunities in the future between China and ASEAN countries to cooperate in this field. I noticed there's been a lot of like a uh, recurrence of like YouTubers coming over like doing like vlogs here mm -hmm. and like showing like the culture. Yeah. So I noticed a lot of like people moving over to do that. Mm. So that's what I've seen quite like often. Influencers. Yeah, influencers. Yeah, they're from other countries but they're here to, you know, uh, feature their stories in China yes. and tell the stories of China to overseas audiences. 
So that's a call for you. When I arrived China, uh, my friend said that uh, there's two app you have to install in your phone: WeChat and Alipay. Yeah. Or else you can go to anywhere. So yeah. I installed it, and in one phone, uh -huh. I can go anywhere and still alive until now. So uh, yeah, I think that's kind of very uh, high technology and very uh, convenient. I would recommend you to download another app. It's Didi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to promote that company here, but it's very convenient. That's like a, a Uber yeah. overseas. And I was going to say Redbook is really good for like finding oh, right places. Yes. I know that's my I'm favorite app. I know. Yes. Redbook. What for? It's it's, it's a Chinese like version of Instagram. Instagram. It's like Pinterest as well. Yeah, 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 Pinterest. Yeah, a combination yeah, of Pinterest. all together. Yeah. Ah, like you share okay. like makeup, lifestyle, uh, like all the good food and yeah. like stuff yeah, like everything. that. Everything. Yeah. And like we're talking about Alipay and WeChat Pay. And uh, I was in Japan this last, I want to say late June, I was in Japan. And I was so surprised because you can pay with Alipay almost everywhere. Oh, really? I think they have just expanded services to um, Southeast Asian countries mm. as well, and a lot of places in the US and the oh. UK as well. If I got it right? Yes, I, I used to work in a luxury store yeah. in um, Glasgow. We sent WeChat Pay in Ali. You do? Yeah, because um, Chinese are like one of the biggest customers there. Remember when we had a customer who spent like 20K? Oh wow! On one makeup table, they took the whole lot. Wow! <laughs> yeah. That's why you need Alipay and WeChat Pay. Yeah. It's just easier for people <laughs> to pay, you know. Yeah. And like these two major apps actually just expanded their services because foreigner, because um, a lot of foreigners they first came to China was just a foreign card, mm -hmm. right? And they just expanded their services by accepting foreign cards right now. Yeah. So mm -hmm. in the past, you can only use I think China Chinese, Chinese mainland banks. Uh, bank yeah. cards. Yeah. Right now, you can use like whatever. Um, bank cards you have, even it's um, you know registered overseas. That's so convenient. It's been such a lifesaver because mm. such because other times I've came over before that it was a pain. Yeah, especially we have so many athletes coming um, here in China with the Chengdu World University Game and also the upcoming mm -hmm. Asian Games. So it says just... a lot because there's, there's a demand and there's a lot of foreigners coming in now. Right. So yeah. good sign. And also I think with the digital. Um, I would say this is, of course, the part of the digital economy in the format of Alipay or WeChat Pay. It reduced the criminal rates somehow, especially like we no longer see thieves, mm -hmm. like they're stealing your wallets or, or other like cash because we no longer carry one or bank card. But they're kind of transforming to the e-commerce uh, criminal activities. Yeah. Right. Whenever there's something developed so mm. fast, you know, things happen. No catch up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you don't carry cash, but at the same time, you know, AI is developing so fast. Well, let's move on to another uh, subject. It's also very important during ASEAN this year is green and sustainable development. Yeah, I noticed that uh, earlier at the ASEAN Plus 3 Summit with China, Japan and South Korea. So Indonesian President Widodo said that the development of green economy could be one of the priorities of cooperation between ASEAN and the three countries in the future. Angie, um, this is a question for you. I'll go to you first. I know even though you're from UK, you're studying graphic design. Yes. And I, I remember you mentioned something like you have noticed that there is the designer. They're trying to input this uh, sustainable or uh, carbon neutrality ideas into yes. their design 
into their work. Mm -hmm. Could you share with us more about it? There's been a lot of companies such as like Dell, like they manufacture like a lot of the packaging from China. Mm. I noticed there's a change of using like mushrooms. Like you can use mushrooms into packaging, which is like biodegradable. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's so cool. That's another thing. We'll, we'll also, during class, we always look at Asia quite mm -hmm. a lot, especially with the supermarkets, like the wet markets. Because we have noticed it's all freshly out there, not packaged. Mm -hmm. So that does help a lot because that helps with like consumerism, like the waste, and also not have all these individually like packaged mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fruits and vegetables. That's yeah. what I quite, I, I've noticed a lot during my, like, my research, during class times. Yeah. Cool. And also, I know some like um, in Asia, they've got like buildings, they've got like the grass growing over it, like, and, like the the ecosystems, like the oh. like the nature growing on the buildings. Oh, okay. it's quite cool. Um, so, Deska, from your perspective in this field, like the sustainable and the green development, do you have anything to share with us? Well, the interesting part is two or three weeks before the ASEAN summit and also East Asian summit. Uh, Jakarta as the host of summit was crowned as the most polluted capital city in the yeah. world in the August. The sky is very gray mm -hmm. and because it's like, uh, I don't know, the, the main source of the pollution, the air pollution, maybe because of the coal fire plant uh, around Jakarta, there's a dozen of the coal fire plant, power plant, but also there's a lot of vehicles still using the fuel, uh, not the electrical vehicle. So the government asked for the office to uh, to do remote or uh, hybrid uh, works mm. uh, or maybe remote works and also for the schools. But uh, many people against it because it's like not not really to solve the problems actually. From but, the root. Yeah. yeah. But uh, from my perspective, uh, many younger generation is more aware about the environmental things. They try to have a more fee, uh, electrical vehicle and also uh, maybe uh, another things to reduce recycle and something like that. I mean, it's not like the government ask them to do that, but that's uh, awareness just from the bottom. What Desika just said remind me of um, the case here in Beijing because she actually mentioned um, maybe 10, 10 years ago or even uh, way back, like Beijing has not very, as blue, clear sky as today. The air pollution was kind of serious. Take the example of the Shogun Park. I'm not sure if you guys have been there. Back in 1919, actually, it has, it's been an industrial park since then, and uh, it has burning a lot of uh, fossil fuels uh, to support the development of the city. And uh, of course, sometimes it comes with the price. And then in the past few decades, the government has realized that this issue, especially China, got the, um, the chairmanship to host the, the Olympics. Now, if you go there, it becomes a demonstration to show, uh, to show how the city has been transformed from heavily relies on burning fossil fuels to, I'll say, clean energy. And they're a part of that, they moved the, uh, the industrial park to other cities. And, but in the meantime, they're transforming from more greener and more sustainable 
model of development. Actually, talking about environmental protection, I bet this is the news we all have observed and heard. Even some of the some of us were shocked about. So it's it's about、uh, Japan decided to dump its nuclear contaminated water into the Pacific Ocean. It's been、uh, announced for a year or two, but the Japanese government decided to do it、uh, starting in August, and they de decide to dump. Like over thousands of tons of nuclear contaminated water into the sea for lasting for 30 years. What's your impression of the entire incident? Zhao, would you like to jump in first?、Um, I was in Japan late June.、Um, I don't know why they decided to do that, and we see widespread protest、um, mm. from Asian countries and also from the outside world as well. Um, I think China protested a few times to the Japanese government as well. Other countries too.、Um, Of course,、um, we see that UN nuclear watchdog IAEA actually said the the effect could be negligible. But、uh, we're talking about you deliberately dumping some nuclear contaminated waste into ocean. Like, how is that possible that it has absolutely no effect into the ocean、mm -hmm. into human activities? Like, we're talking about deliberately dumping all those、yeah. into the nature. You know, it's mother nature. I feel like it's quite evil in a way doing that. It's like very inconsiderate of like the other countries. Yes, especially、uh, Pacific Ocean. We know that there are so many island countries nearby,、mm. right? Tahiti,、yeah. Indonesia too. Yes,、yeah. they're um, they um, relies the, on this on the ocean mother. Right,、yeah. and and also whenever sea sea level rises, there's potential risk that the country could possibly disappear. You know,、mm. we're talking about the life of a country and like millions of people living on there. And also, they they've been suffering because of climate change and also all those you know biodiversity sufferings over the past years. And right now, you're talking about dumping all those nuclear wastewater into the ocean, like on Japanese government's defense,、mm -hmm. they said it's because、um, it's safe, it's clear, and the Japanese government officials are even drinking a cup of the water they 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 said claimed、mm -hmm. that was from the ocean, and they are、mm -hmm. eating sashimi that、mm -hmm. from the fish. Being hunted from the contaminated water. There is something I noticed is that you can tell how the Western media has been portraying the whole incident differently, because so far we have noticed that in the Western media there remains deadly silence.、Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they even use the term here. I wrote it down for they use the term like treated radioactive water or treated waste water. They they are not even using the term like nuclear contaminated water because that's two different. Concepts we're talking to, like, about. Play it down. Yeah. yeah.、Mm -hmm. So I just find it very ironic of how the media in the global stage, from one hand, they're kind of criticizing or judging China for environmental issues, but on the other hand, they remain so they, they behave so differently when it comes to Japan. Sometimes it gets like glorified by Japan, like they can't do no wrong type、mm -hmm. of yeah type of viewing. Is that how people from Maybe UK. Yeah, because every time like I've got some friends who go to Japan, so very classy. Oh, you go to Japan? It's like that's awesome anime and like that. And that when I say I got China silence, because <laughs> I have noticed on Instagram it's all about like China is upset because because of, of Japan like putting the water in and making it's like a China issue, but it isn't. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're not showing like Korea or the neighboring countries like Fuji or even the locals in Japan that are upset protesting. 
none of that at all. Yeah, they've been just uh, reporting on how China has been banning Japanese seafoods from importing to the country, but there's the reason for it. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. What Chinese government is doing, just purely protecting its people or that represents the voice of the people. The reason why I brought this up, because we talk about the environmental protection and the Japanese government actually was uh, going to talk about this to clarify their position at uh, the uh, G20 summit. So another very interesting topic I personally feel very interesting is uh, during the G20 summit, India, India says it wants to change its name from India to Bharat. Mm -hmm. This says the country says this is an effort to break with its colonial heritage. Mm. What's your guys' initial reaction when you first heard about the news? I was really surprised because I, um, that word was actually pretty you know, new to me. I don't know mm. if it's new to you guys. Um, so I went to talk with one of my Indian friends and it's like it's a day-to-day -day word that you, they use every day. So like mm. in India, um, they pretty much call themselves people of Bharat as well because it's like an Indian word. It's actually um, dated back to ancient Hindu scriptures. So it's you know, it's mm -hmm. it's kind of a legit um, name for the Indians. It's yeah. just not as international because we don't call them Bharat, you know. Mm -hmm. it's just It's kind of like a very local within India. I was, you know, kind of surprised of the decision because a country's name is very, you know, like everybody know you by your name. It's very ingrained. Right, yeah. <laughs> and then, right, I think there's some politics issue behind that. Yeah, and obviously we see that the opposition party of India it's naming itself India Party. Mm. So um, probably they want to differentiate from their opposition party because they have presidential election in the next year. So Yeah, I look at that. It says the, the name means light and fire. Mm -hmm. Yes, they've been calling themselves that name in their daily lives for years. And India is the name that when um, they, they were given during the colonial era. But I think it's good to always kind of remember your legacy, you know, it's Hindu, ancient Hindu um, scriptures, so if it's, you know, really history or the historical culture of the um, Indian people, they should probably keep the name, but I don't know what the decision that might be is. Maybe like a slight input to this, I think, because India's got like a past of being colonized like by the British. It probably it sounds like they want to own back their identity. That's kind of how I see it. It's interesting. I do feel you about this because I think recently it's been a while for the past few years. Like developing countries has been, I'll say, have this awareness of they want to build a different or a new global order, regardless that's in economic or that's in trade or that's in um, a lot of stuff um, when it comes to you have to have a voice in the international affairs. Maybe like from my perspective, maybe that's how Indian government wants to send out the message there. That has been a great discussion with all of you. We talk about uh, like from ASEAN to G20 covering like sustainable development, uh, digital economy as well as all the great stuff, the great food, the local cuisines in Southeast Asian countries as well as the travel destinations. Indeed, a pleasure speaking with you all. Thank you so much for being here today and I'd love to have you coming back in the future. Thank you so much. Thank we you. had so much fun. Yeah. Thank you.